Welcome to the AFL Aholic Show. Your unofficial AFL show starring free unprofessional idiots talking a whole lot of garbage. But if you do enjoy it, make sure you chuck it a like. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of AFLaholics. It's your host here, Martin and Sarah. I'm here with Hayden Van Arkle. Say good day. Yo! And special guest Corey Van Arkle as well. Welcome to the pod. Big brother. Well, uh, good to be here, fellas. No worries. Pleasure to have you on board. Well, what a week of footy we've had. COVID has reared its ugly head once again, but for once it looks like Victoria might be the beneficiary of it. And we've got all 18 teams down here in Melbourne. We had our first full round back after the buys um, with plenty of action happening there. And, um, of course, we've got all of our usual favourites with your unsung hero, Ticket of the Week, and our predictions right at the end as well. So, boys, what do you think of this round of footy? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of flops in uh, this round of footy, including Danaher. Um, but uh, <laughs> And then Richmond in, in that case too. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a eventful round, you know, a lot of uh, games that could have went either way. And uh, there was a lot of... Uh, yeah, top tipsy turny. But I just want to quickly mention from the top of this also, Corey is my older brother, and unfortunately he follows Hawthorne, so he's only seen four <laughs> premierships, and I've seen three, so it's pretty rough. But you forgot that I was born in 91 when we won it that year as well, so yeah. I've actually been around for five. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Bloody hell. <laughs> so, so, so he's two in front of me still, but uh, yeah. What did you think of the round, Corey? It was a it was a good round. There was a few couple upsets. I would say the big one being Kilda versus Richmond. Um, you can clearly see a few teams fighting for those final positions, while a few teams trying to definitely keep their spot in the finals. Um, but yeah, that was very interesting. It was definitely a exciting and round of upsets. I'd say I went to tip a few upsets. And I got it all wrong. So yes. this week, my footy tipping, I got two. Yeah. And it's not a buy round. <laughs> so sometimes you take those risks on the wrong game. So, for example, you know, obviously I tipped the Cats, Richmond. I was like, oh, Gold Coast could cause an upset there. And, of course, they lost. They weren't too far off, though, nine points. Mm. Um, tip Collingwood going, oh, yeah, you know, the new new coach kind of thing and they always come in and they win the first week blah 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 yeah. so, and then um of course i tipped gws and then um trying to get the the eagles against the doggies at home and even adelaide so i just completely stuffed it up so it was a horrible week for my um yeah for my tipping in that sense but what a cracking cracking round of uh Round of AFL. And in another sense, uh, I've uh, taken top spot with Tony now over Martin, who was two ahead of us. So I was. Uh, <laughs> now I'm what, two behind? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Literally, I don't even know. Literally dropped four, technically, to us in That's a sense. Huge. So it's, uh, it's good to be at the top again. But uh, unfortunately, Tony's beaten me on margins at the moment. So hopefully I can rein in some closer calls in the upcoming first games of every round. So. But that should be good. So anyone who wants to jump on the footy tips, I know it's halfway through this, or nearly three quarters through the season, but if you feel like jumping in the competition, you know you know where the link is. Um, yeah. Please come Shock it in the footy tips. I'm last. Are you right I am. I've been in there from the oh, start. Good. Every good Probably the first two rounds I missed. But 
I'm three behind the second last player. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you start like that far behind, you're only eight. Hey, if I have another couple of rounds like this, you'll overtake me in no time. So, yeah, um, wait, what am I? Ten behind, yeah, Tony and Hayden. Yeah, see, eight behind me. And, yeah, so not, not far off there. But, yeah, so once again, like Hayden mentioned, if anyone wants to jump on, Definitely feel free to uh, join the footy tipping comp and follow the socials and everything as well. Well, let's get into the actual footy then. Boys. And let's have a look. What, what do you want to call it? How weird is it that all of a sudden <laughs> Victoria is the place to be for once? I love it, to be the honest. Third tables, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen table. one, I saw one <laughs> Simpsons memes, meme, and I love the Simpsons memes that come out. And it was that one where. Um, all the Simpsons are dancing as barbarians around a fire and there's someone strapped to the middle or I think uh, Ned Flanders or whoever is strapped in the middle and it just said Victorians dancing around the outside and then everyone else and then going, now who's laughing? Now who's laughing? (laughs) I thought it summed it up perfectly. (laughs) I seen one that was Dr. Evil and he's just doing his like, and it just said (laughs) Victorians right now. Sorry <laughs> for the uh, the other states now, or do you think like oh. you have any sympathy? So, I feel sorry for a lot of the states, but not for Sydney, because to some extent, if you want to play devil's advocate, you can see why people would be upset with them not going into lockdown earlier, and to some extent, allowing it to spread. Because, yeah. like, if they went and, you know, secured areas, like, as fast as Victoria or even South Australia or WA or even how NT is shutting down pretty early so it doesn't get out of control, I think they're a bit too cocky and just going, oh, you know, we've had outbreaks before, we'll get on top of it, we don't have to destroy business and everything and going, yeah, I get it, trying to support your economy to not, like, a shutdown costs so much money, but now, you know, more than half the country's in a lockdown. So, it just affects everyone, you know, and every time we've kind of had to do the hard yards we we have selflessly to some extent and um yeah not that everyone always agrees with them but they've worked to some extent and everyone else has been able to enjoy normal life so now it's time for us to um yeah now it's time to to see when the shoe's on the other foot yeah and now time to take the reins and bring afl back home where it has belonged you know compared to last year where it was always not in victoria it's good to have everyone in victoria now which is crazy Hope that the, um, the crowds are all there as well. Like I think it's up to eighty-five percent capacity. Is it now this no, week? They've changed their minds, bastards. Because I'm going to, I'm planning to buy tickets tomorrow to go to the uh, Cats v Bombers game with a group of mates. And they said it's only fifty percent capacity. They've changed their minds, so they've been ultra conservative again, which is relatively understandable. But of course, we're all selfish and thinking of ourselves. So for me, going to the footy, it'll be harder to get tickets. Uh, only fifteen thousand then to the Cats game um, this weekend, so we'll see if we're lucky enough. But, um, yeah, at places like the G, you know, at least it's still 50K, and who knows, depending on what games are there, and since we've got all the games in Victoria, um, yeah, we might have more of an opportunity to go out and see a bit more footy live. Yeah, that's it. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, you, you, know, you, know, you know it's frustrating. Yeah, we'll get into it, but you know it's frustrating here at the moment <laughs> about Victorians, though. Uh, the, I think some people are thinking, like, the masks are over and whatnot. Every time I go somewhere, people are just starting to, like, not wear them anymore. Have you guys noticed that? They're getting mask fatigue, I think. Like, yeah. even me yesterday, I went to the office for the first time since this lockdown, since the last lockdown, and um, to have to wear your mask inside all day, like, you do, like, it is... 
I don't know, it's not it's not comfortable, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So we were sitting like especially when we're sitting there and um, you know, we're not near anyone. Like if we're five, ten meters away from the next closest person, not even one point five meters, you know. Um, you know, you do feel like, oh, what's the point? Like I get it if I'm interacting yeah. with someone, but if I'm just sitting inside, not moving. You know, yeah. um, the risk is relatively low, but I get it because it's a workplace and for my workplace, that might be applicable, but for somewhere else like construction site or whatever, where everyone's walking around and doing stuff, um, it's a bit more necessary. So that that's my take on it at the moment. Um, as I a, guess as while... a tradie, I can honestly say no one's wearing yeah. a monsite. Unless yeah. EBA construction sites, not sure, yeah, but in I've a domestic game, no one is. It's, it's... Yeah. It's just, if you're wearing one, you kind of look like the odd one out, to be honest. Um, don't get me wrong, <laughs> they still wear them in, you know, servos and whatnot, but I'm seeing still yeah. traders just walking to servos, not worrying about it, not doing their check-in. Uh, it's quite bad. In my well, that, that's where we can get out of control again, like the check-in stuff. Like, it's something small, but if there was genuinely an outbreak or something, it can I've make such a I've been checking in everywhere. Every... Me too. Me too. Oh, so. Those listening at home, feel free to check in. It's a small thing we can all do. And, um, yeah, hopefully it ends up that we can still go to the footy and enjoy our freedoms. That's the thing, going, hey, if I have to wear a mask and we can keep everything open and slowly increase, if that's the price we've got to pay, then, you know, especially when we're in the shops and all this and that, in those kind of higher risk areas, then that's fair enough. Agreed, agreed. Well, let's get into it because I want the footy to stay in Victoria as long as we possibly can. For sure. That's it. We're we're a footy podcast here, not a COVID talking podcast, although at the moment they're forever intertwined. One yes, way or another. Um, one thing before, oh, well, in, in regards to the footy, I've, I've just been looking at the ladder and it, with the movements from the last week, we actually had the bottom four sides of the top eight as it currently sits lose and the top four as they currently stand win. So it just shows kind of to some extent how open the eight potentially still is where we wouldn't have predicted, you know, that the current fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth all lost last week. So game on. Well, that was the best thing for, um, even as Richmond, I was sitting there like, oh no, we're going to end up ninth, I'm going to hear about all the memes, everything, and literally <laughs> every team that could have been like contending in that position, in, like from 6th to 10th, lost. So we, we had uh, Sydney, West Coast, Richmond, GWS and Essendon, GWS and Essendon were the ones yeah. pushing for the 8, like if they got the win, they would have pushed in front of us, and every single team lost, so... Um, Except Frio. Well, Frio yeah, were the one outside yeah. of that, but now they're equal with you on points, but their percentage is 8% lower, so exactly. it's not threatening, you know, that threatening. Yeah. And exactly. um, we'll have to wait and see, because I still think they're a decent young side. It's just if they can get a, an extra couple wins away from home, they'll make the eight kind of thing, but it's and, still and, unlikely and, at this and, stage. And especially now with the Victorian bubble, who knows with Fremantle being out of their home ground at the moment. So, um I mean, if there's one thing I can take away being a Richmond supporter, I was very lucky that we lost in the same week as everybody one else, so uh, it wasn't <laughs> as stressful in the end. That's for sure. And we'll start with the Richmond St Kilda game then. Yeah, let's let's do that. Well, do you want to kick it off, Corey? Did you see this game? I didn't actually see it. I was, it was Friday night. Yeah, I think I might have been at work, but. I remember checking the score with like five minutes ago, and I just couldn't <laughs> believe that Richmond had only kicked two goals. And it was like I looked at the score. I'm like, what? What is? What? What has happened in this game? <laughs> even our behinds don't even deserve to be behinds. Like I don't even know how we got ten behinds. Like it didn't even feel like we were even near the sticks. 
all night. Like, yeah. Like, they, they would have just been... Like, I watched the game and I can't... I don't even want to record cool. because I, I can't envision it anymore, but... Well, you've got to give us the summary, mate. You're the yeah. you're the Richmond fan. Yeah. You're there. So let, let's summarize it. Or I want to hear your point of view. Was it really like, do you put it down to more St. Kilda being that good, Richmond being that bad, or a bit of both for um, the result? A bit end? of both. I, I think St. Kilda played very well. I like, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, but Richmond, while we, I've never... Like, in all honesty, the last time I've seen us play that bad was against St. Kilda in our first premiership year in 2017. We got, like, absolutely smashed by them. And they kind of, like, set up our journey. Like, after that smashing, like, we actually played so good after it. But I don't know if that's going to be the case this time around. But, um, yeah, we I've never seen us so fumbly, kicking the ball backwards. Like, our swing was just never on all game. Like, I know it's hard to say because I'm sitting behind a TV and I'm not seeing what's behind the ball and, you know, what's down the yeah. line and whatnot. So it's obviously different when you're at the game and you can kind of see what they're trying to do. But it just felt like nothing like Richmond had been in the last couple of years. There was no chaos. Our first five minutes was the best we played the whole game. Other than that, I was literally... Every time I was about to turn the TV off out of frustration... Like, I watch them all the way through, no matter what. Even when I turn it off, I turn it back on like in, like, a minute just to, like, calm myself down because I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Um, every time, like, I'm about to turn it off, we do something, and I'm like, oh, that's a bit Richmond-like, and then they just mm. failed. Our, all year, I found, like, our connection between midfield and forwards has not gelled all year. Yeah. Um, and what do you put that down to? Is it the quality of entry? Is it the, the personnel in the midfield? Is it the personnel on the forward line? And why can't they lock the ball in like they traditionally do? Yes, they not, go injuries. I think we're not playing as selfless as we normally would. We used to, like, really... Oh, sorry. Sometimes it's it's catch-22. Sometimes we play self, like, like um, a bit selfish, sorry. And then yeah. sometimes we go too selfless, like... You know, yeah, and I could tell when Jack Rewalt passed off a ball at like forty-five meters away. That I we, saw that actually. We, we were just not on, like that. we were not on at all. And I was like, he is your goal kicker. Like Tom Lynch isn't in the side, and it was a very kickable goal for him where he can make the distance. There was a slight angle. Yeah. I'd say it was better than forty-five degrees. Yeah. Like, and then for him to chip it away, you go, oh, where's the confidence? Like you've got two goals on the ball. Uh, on the board, sorry, wouldn't he be the player if anyone, when he marks it inside 50, go, this is my moment. Like, that's where you want him to almost be selfish as the full forward to be like, here we go, I'll get the boys back on track. But I think he missed one earlier and it clearly affected his confidence. Yeah, it must have. So, I'm do that. I hate when they, they're paid to, you know, kick goals and they kick it off and they could easily kick it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, no outside 50 kick is easy in a sense but i mean that is what your job is but wasn't the mark from like 45 so it would have been right on 50 yeah so it would have been kicking it on yeah. 50 yeah but like all in all very lucky to get away with it because that actually did turn into a goal because he did edwards so what well, like out of the two goals that we got like i guess you can kind of redeem yourself a little bit on that like but yeah it's very unusual of jack to actually kick that off and like he's very selfless but yeah i don't know Oh, yeah, the general connection between mids and forwards has just been lacking a bit. I think down pressure is a huge reason why, because he's very good kick inside 50, and all, all this year he's kind of been out. 
like in and out. Um, and he then, missed a lot last year, didn't he? How many games did he play last year? But then like Shea Bolton you know? kind of stood up and then Shea Bolton was just unseen all night. Um, yeah, he was. Hilda, um, and then, did he go through the midfield as well? Oh, mate, I don't know where they were. Pl- I honestly didn't even know where they were. Like, at the centre bounce, so I didn't even watch because we didn't have a good ruckman all night. Um, yeah, it's just... It, it's, Nank is such a big out for us. In, oh, in he is. Field. He's huge. I think um, he's very underrated for what he does and what he brings to the team. Yeah. So. And and just without him, we're struggling. And He had, like, his setback in his injury, what, a week ago or whatever. So, like, now he's, like... He's like four weeks when he was meant to be back, same time as like Lynch, who's come back this yeah. week. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's such a huge out. Now we've got pressure with tightness, Lambert out with calf and hip injury. Um, Broad, who's been so good this year, ankle syndesmosis, same with Bolter. So, it really taken. Not only did we get pumped by 40, we, we lost a lot of good players. So. That's true. It's, but that's been the story of your whole season, hasn't it, to some extent? Yeah. To be, um, like, to be fair, we've been so good with injuries over the last couple of years. This year's just really rolled us. And it's not an excuse, you know. About like, time you lost your luck. I think you've just been very lucky maybe the other years, and this is, for uh, some teams, pretty standard. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't it say reminds that. me of Aiden's Supercoach team of last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, on the note of injuries, I've just looked up Dion Prestia's stats, and he only played five games last year, so it was a reduced, um, yeah, because he had it was a reduced fixture. But yeah. yeah, he only played five, so he's already played six this year. So he's played more than last year officially. Yeah, he had ankle syndesmosis last year. Yeah, um, round three, he. So compared to last year, then I'd say like that's a kind of a little bit of a cop out to say like. No, 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 I wasn't, he's been affecting it that much. No, no, I wasn't giving him a cop out. I was just saying, yeah. like he's probably Richmond. My, no, no, he's probably like my favorite inside fifty kicker. Like he's yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I know we, I know we won a premiership basically without him. Like, like um, but even in that grand final against Catch, you know, you could see he was like very good with his connection inside fifty and also sneaking forward and getting goals. I, and he's obviously a best and fairest player for our club too. So. Um, him general inside fifty kicking has been missed. Shedder hasn't kicked the ball much inside fifty this year. I've noticed a little bit. Jay Bolton, I don't know where he was on really Friday well night. for most of the season, but yeah, he's had an off night there. But the whole team did. I don't, so, don't, you know, no, I'm not knocking Shane Edwards by the way. Nah. Like, he's, he's a great player. Like I'm not saying. I just think like I haven't seen him kicking that inside fifty as much. Like he's more yeah. being just like. Um, voluntary hand passing. I think we're butchering it inside 50. We're just booting it and trying to put it on the top heads of, you know, people like Arts and yeah. Castagna. Castagna's been terrible all year, in my opinion. I don't know how he's getting the game, but man, what, what do you do? But, so yeah. what What do you, how do you see their season now? Like, do you, are you still quite confident you'll make the eight? Do you think you're a, a chance to defend your title or are you really losing a bit of faith or whatnot at this stage? Uh, I've lost faith in us winning the premiership. That's definitely... like I lost that faith about six weeks ago. Though. Like I kind of just had that feeling anyways. Um, I remember Tony just um, defending him going, nah, he's not counting me out, going, oh, saying the same line, you know, we've been there before, we've been in this position where we start slow and then we go on this run. With a good fixture late, with all these games at the G, and then before you know it. I still think we make the A. I just don't feel like we make a dent. That's... uh, Like, I mean, I feel like... I feel feel like if we come 6th or uh, 7th or whatever, I feel like if we versus Sydney, 
or West Coast, I feel like we'll probably get them. Um, but in terms of Port Adelaide, in Adelaide, probably, probably get rolled, especially after like what we did to them in the prelim. Like you know that digs deep with clubs. So yeah, um, it, it'd be the same if we versed along in at GEMHBA. It'd be the same if we versed Brisbane at Brisbane. It's it's just I couldn't see us beating those teams, but. But our, um, but our home ground's at the MCG against the Tigers. Oh, and, and surely it should be because, <laughs> I mean, you don't have much of a support base being, um, you know, at GMHBA can't really hold much of a crowd being such a below-par stadium. But it's, um, yeah. Please, it's one of the best stadiums in the country, mate. Oh, mate, I've been working in the last two days more. and it's the most sickening scene looking at those lights. It's. I'm glad. It's I'm glad pool- it makes you sick. That just a, shows that it's good. It's appalling, uh, the uh, lights. They may light up, light up the ground, but who designed that? They old? light up Geelong, mate. It's an icon. Anyway, getting off topic there. So what, We might as well um, get into the uh, Geelong game. <laughs> well, that's true. We don't want to talk about the Tigers all night, but it is a big talking point because it's been all over the media just showing, you know, where's the hunger gone? This isn't the same side that we've seen last season. The Very additional injuries that have come in, and uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I have I have been kind of calling this out um, earlier in the season on this pod that I still, like I said before, I don't think Richmond will make the finals. So I think um, oh, we're get, oh, get still done, talking yeah. about Richmond. I thought we were talking about yeah. I right. my statement for Richmond would be, I thought if they make finals, they can go deep, but after that performance on the weekend, I just can't. Yeah, I can't see them going too deep. They might win the first. Final, but yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I still think I still look at these teams under us, and I still think we make finals. Um, especially even anyway. Like... Let's move on from these irrelevant teams that aren't going to shape the finals, like uh, Mike Richmond, and let's get on to the real, you know, the top four clash, which was touted as match of the round, uh, and, so and to some extent, it really delivered. A good game. It really delivered. <laughs> um, so all credit to the Lions here. Of course, they're going to talk about Geelong versus the Lions up at the Gabba. Um, so my summary of the game was the Lions just put in a full four-quarter performance. They were really impressive, and they just totally dismantled the Cats. Absolutely. Um, within, within the first kind of five, ten minutes, I could just tell we were off watching the game um, from home uh, against you know a fellow top four side. When the Lions kicked the first five goals of the game, I've seen it before from the Cats where we're just off some days and then from there we were never kind of coming back and I'll, I expected a bit more of a yelp from us to be honest but um, yeah when you just look at uh, Brisbane just played you know they did everything they need to do that's the perfect plan to beat Geelong if anyone wants to look at a, at the game plan and go okay how do we beat Geelong it's go direct high pressure with tackles and just have you know quality use of the ball get it into your forwards quickly and um, it just makes a scramble and they dominated pretty much in all, all aspects of the field. Like, yeah, so you basically um, just described Richmond's game plan against using the grand final. Yeah, but like I mentioned before, we're not going to talk about irrelevant teams um, that aren't going to be anywhere near a grand final this season. Well, so did, we'll move I, on to I also, the more relevant ones. I, I, like I, I, the Lions, I, I can see the Lions but, being there. But I think you said we are talking about top four teams here. I, I, I believe Geelong's fifth. Yeah, incorrect. only because we got beaten by a really good side. So um, we're yeah, equal did. on points. So it's yeah. just just percentage that's making the difference at the moment. But I'm very confident that with our run home, the Cats will still finish in that top four bracket. And uh, Port, like they have all year, they've only beaten, I think, now two two top eight sides maybe now. So they have been uh, struggling overall. And um, good win on them. Uh, 
Mike, because even when they played against Geelong just a couple of weeks back, um, to some extent, I expected us to lose one of at least one of the three games against the real um, top sides or the heart draw that we had coming back from the bye. So we played Port, obviously, away, got away with a really, really good win there. Played the Bulldogs, um, got away with another win there. That was a really tight game. And then the Lions was just that step too far. We needed, to be honest, we would have lost to almost anyone. I think the way that the team kind of played, maybe they're, um, yeah, they just had an off night. So if we played any team that, you know, um, were on and came for the fight, we weren't going to stand much of a chance. But then you look at, like, their best players. You mentioned earlier Danaher. Um, he was a bit of a flop, but he was one of the best on the ground. In the end, I think he kicked four goals. Um, Zorko dominated. He, I think he was actually best on ground. Um, Rich from the back line, his booming left foot, and some of those kicks that he just drilled right up the middle of the ground just to slice Geelong open was unbelievable. And Charlie Cap played really well, and Adams too uh, in the back line. So, did you boys have any other actual opinions on the game? Did you see it? Who was your worst on ground? So, in terms of Geelong, or it'd have to be a Geelong player after that performance. <laughs> well, well, it would. And um, to be honest, there's too many to choose from. There are just um, credit to Brisbane. They make it just look bad, but there are a few too many players that went missing. Like uh, I remember looking at one of the match reports and I saw one of them named Danger as one of the best. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like in terms of, yeah, yeah, he absolutely butchered. And Tony called it out last week to um, credit to him. And um, watching the game, I did have that in my mind, and you did see it a few times where it was just dreadful. Some of the kicking going, okay, yep, you burst out of the pack. But it's almost where he needs that support or to hand it off to someone to actually deliver it or compose himself before he kicks the ball because there are a few too many turnovers. And when we were really struggling to score in a tough game, um, yeah, we really felt it. But to be fair to him, he's only a couple of weeks back from a long-term injury. So I expect by the time September rolls around, and we're in the finals action. Um, he's one of the first players on the list. Do you know what I would like to see Danger play, like a position similar to? Kind of like what? Adam Trelaw at the Bulldogs at the moment, in a sense of Adam Trelaw used to do the same, kind of get the ball out, but just butcher it. It'd be good to yeah. see him with yeah. a little bit more spread. Uh, I personally like, like you know, with with Trelaw, obviously everyone like commented on his kicking and how, how average it was, but then you give him a bit of time and space, and you could actually kick, you know, like he, he's probably one of the better inside 50 kickers until, you know, his injury. Um, yeah. And then also he was hitting the scoreboard too. He was getting a lot of kicks outside 50, which I think Danger's not too bad on the run. Like, I mean, I know he's had his woes sometimes, but, you know, like when it's needed, Danger's probably better at that type of position yeah. also. But just to... I think he's great in and under, like to get yeah. like contested oh, possessions, get it out of a pack. Yeah, exactly. Like the hunger that he has for the ball. Um, I almost think he's uh, be, unmatched, it, like to it, some extent. In the competition it'd be good if they times. could like flip him. Like you know how like you've got your your Bonts, your Dusties, your Petrarchas as like forward mids. It'd be good if yeah. you could flip like Danger as that like mid wing type player, especially if Duncan's yeah. injury too. It wouldn't actually be a bad idea. Yeah, that's potential. That's true. We'll, we'll wait and see. Trust in the coaches. They see him train week yeah, in week I, out. I, I, Danger's I, such a smart footy player overall. So I kind of have faith in him to kind of work out his own game. And I just double-checked the stats, and I remember now who I think was my worst on ground. I would have went with Dalhouse. He had minimal, like, impact on the game. He had seven handballs, um, one mark, three tackles. We Three tackles isn't, you know, the worst, but we expect a bit more from him. And he gave away that 50-meter penalty, I remember. It was so stupid as well, just undisciplined at a key point early on in the game. 
Um, yeah, and I really hope to see him kind of drop this week and bring in Narkel, um, who was the unused sub. Um, yeah, who played, yeah, who's been, um, you know, one of the best, yeah, one of the best of our players on, on uh, when he has had the chance to play and for him to not get a game instead of someone like Dalhouse, who I think has only played one or two good games this whole season. Um, yeah, it, it'd be great to just see that youth come in. And we were really caught out with how slow we were uh, against the young, fast Lions. And to get onto the Lions as well, um, I, I expect them to go a step further than last year. So I could see them winning a prelim easily, especially if they finish um, top four. They could beat, you know, a top two side, potentially like a Melbourne or even a Dogs, depending on how, how the cards fall or if they finish in the top two for someone to go up to the Gabba, especially yeah. Central Richmond won't be there. You know, they're pretty hard to beat there uh, outside of what you guys did to them uh, last last season. So, um, yeah, well, any other final kind of comments on the game? We, did, guys? we didn't beat Brisbane at all last year up there. Oh, didn't you? No, they beat us in the first final, and then we had to go to St Kilda. I think, didn't you guys beat them? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're so, right. so they beat us and went into the prelim against you, and then that's yeah. where you beat them. Um, so we kind of took the long way. We lost to them. We went St Kilda, then we went Port Adelaide in Adelaide, and then we went you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, in terms of Luke Delhouse, at least he's no Samson Ryan, um, who didn't even touch the ball. So yeah, but he's <laughs> not a first gamer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's not a first gamer that they brought in for a a good story more than anything. Oh, you know. Oh, I can't wait to get to dickheads of the week for that. But um, yeah. yeah anyways, anyways, let's get to another game. Um, there was so much good footy on. Like oh, to be honest, serious. there's a, there's so many stories. Like I mentioned, there's I, a lot of upsets. But which game do you want to talk I about? Th- next? I think the best one to talk about is probably the one in the West with West Coast versus the Dogs. Um, oh, the thumping. Yeah. I don't well, know how much we can go into detail there. Like it was an absolute well, mauling, and it should have been but, like double but, that. The yeah, was but, the, the Fox GWS game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna touch on that, but I just wanted to mention, you know, like um, where <laughs> Richmond and West Coast are similar. Uh, like they all yeah. like when we versed and we had like our really good side, probably our best side in for the year in terms of injuries, and now West Coast has had the same thing, and to kind of dish up that effort. It was very below par. I just kind of wanted to mention that. Um, I think the dogs it just are shows. Just so good. Yeah, dogs the dogs good. are good. I, but I've said it before, and I'll, they, they were impressive, so definitely take nothing away. But um, when they come up against a good side, and I just think the reality is West Coast isn't a good side this year. They're inconsistent. So they show these, you know, these uh, short, yeah, these short bursts of brilliance and going, oh, they look like a good team. But then when you actually get, to like they play a good side just the brain fades that they've had whether it's a mental thing or the coaching staff or whatnot they've just had these massive massive losses where they just keep getting thumped by you know 55 points remember they lost by 90 plus to geelong um it's happened a few more times this season if i double check the the history for them so it's just one two two kind of many you know they get a couple wins in a row like to beat richmond was great um, in a tight one last week, and you know Carlton the week before, where they were really depleted. Um, uh, uh, Sydney wasn't it? Thank you. Yeah, I'm talking about round. Let me count back. So we just had round fourteen, wasn't it? Eleven. So it was round eleven. No, it was round fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, it was round fifteen. Yeah, tr- sorry, round twelve. Round twelve, they played. Uh, 
the Carlton, remember? And that's when Carlton were like really pumped to to beat them because they had all their players. Like that's when they were missing. Yeah, a that game was, yeah, that was at Sydney in the SCG. Oh yeah, yeah, it was at the SCG. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah. thought you said it was versus Sydney. No, no, um, yeah. When we had our little scare here, so they didn't come to couldn't yep. play here in Melbourne. But yeah, so anyway, they've had just a few too many of those kind of brain fades, and it's kind of uh, shown them up and. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll be a real force. Like, I think they'll make finals just because of where they've been and they have a good percentage. Um, but overall, they're not going to really... They might win one, they might not. I could see them losing the first final, but we'll just wait and see. Yeah. That's fine, especially with who they had come back this week as well, like, uh, from injury. Like, I think a lot of people were expecting West Coast to win. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't get the, the crowd, you know, the favourite. Yeah. Time as well, that, that snap locked down a couple hours before the game. I heard right. people still turned up and were getting turned away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard that too. That's crazy. Yeah, police were like uh, um, ushering him away. We also got to give credit to the Bond. I think he is a shoe in for the uh, Brownlow this it year. That He's goal he picked. Amazing. That was, oh. that was something else. Is that the left snap? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Yeah, from like the pocket. No. Oh. Yeah. 29 disposals, 10 clearances, three goals. I think that's the big difference from him this year is getting the consistency of doing that week in, week out almost, where he's kicking more goals, he's having more impact. And we've seen, you know, we know he's this talent, this great talent, and for him to produce on the big stage, just incredible. And captain of the club, you know, like he's just, well, uh, Rising, he's rising. To the All right, well, we've got to get to the, the big game, the, the big game between the Hawks and the, the Giants. Uh, I, I, I know uh, uh, there was this, Take it away, Court. this crowd was huge. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing, um, but I did watch, I would Great say, stuff. like the second to the third quarter and yeah. uh, a bit at the end because uh, Shaheen and I went out that afternoon. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a good game. I, I was happy with how we played, and I've actually been really happy with how we've been playing the last few weeks. Like we had that win against Sydney a couple of weeks ago. We did really well against Essendon, who are in really good form at the moment. That could have gone either way. Um, and yeah, now we got our you know our second game. Uh, sorry, our second win in three games against GWS. Um, overall, you know, there was just more. Um, I would say more contested pressure, like from the midfield. Like one thing I know Noodles mentioned when he was on was how Tom Mitchell always just um yeah he just racks up possessions. Man, but this time, like he he seems to have more con- uh, contested possessions. Like so he's uh, getting in there and winning it. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the last few weeks, which has been good. And one thing I'm really excited about Hawks, uh, the Haw- yeah the Hawks. Is our um, our backline our heart, like our players coming up halfback? Yeah. Um, especially uh, like Will Day, he had like a, a yeah. BOT uh, performance. He's he, your best young talent. So yeah, he, he looks so back good. To the side. Coming up, always huge. Coming up the back, yeah. Coming up halfback, I think he had like six hundred and fifty meters gained. Wow. Um, you know, we got. Sith Lee will come back next year, so I expect they to move to the midfield. We got you know CJ coming up off back. Scrimshaw played a, has been playing a really good season as well. Um, I actually picked him up on my super coach. He's averaging a hundred points every game. Yep. It's a good um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really to mention uh, Tim O'Brien. 
and that uh, and mark of the year, way better than Jack Rewald's mark. And that mark, yeah, it was. You know, I've always been, you know, dissing Tim O'Brien for like. Because his butter, like he has the butteriest fingers of like any other player, he just drops it consistently. And like, if he actually caught every mark that was caught, he would be a really good forward because he's a good kick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got he's a good like he's quite athletic as he can jump, he can you know, kick straight, but he just can never hold the ball. So it was really good to see him get that big screamer, and he, he yeah he kicked two goals back-to-back, which uh, put us, I think, in front in that game. So it was really good to see. Yeah, it was awesome. I've got to say, like, I was super impressed. Like, going into Sunday, I looked at my tips and I go, I've got two right so far. Should I change it up? And I sat down. I remember looking at this game and going, look, GWS have the biggest chance to jump into the eight now with the Tigers slipping up. I just couldn't see them, like, dropping it, like, them wanting it more. But then in the end, um, yeah, it was it was all credit to Hawthorne. They were, they were awesome. And, like, to hold back their, like, GWS's superstars, such as, you know, um, Toby Green in the forward line. And Kelly wasn't, like, to his level that we know he can be. Whitfield still got quite a lot of the ball. But in the end, they were able to do enough. And they their youngsters showed enough and did enough and showed enough want you know, to get, um, yeah, to get over the line. So so that was awesome by them. Yeah. Especially, like, for Hawthorne, you know, obviously this year is not our year, but I'm expecting the second half of the year, like, they're definitely showing some promise. So I'm hoping we, I would hope for we get at least, you know, maybe two more wins, two or three more wins the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think in the next few years, we will be, like, with the, like the young players we've got coming through, and especially because a lot of them are getting more games, more game time. Yeah. Um, they develop it. Yeah, and I, I was just looking at the uh, the VFL ladder. The Boxer Hawks are currently sitting fourth out of 21 sites. Not bad. So, Who else is uh, up there, out of curiosity? So the, at the moment, on top is Footscray. Second is Southport. Uh, third is Casey Demons, which is um, Melbourne's yeah, Melbourne, VFL yeah. side. And then... Uh, Box Hill, Williamstown, Geelong, Werribee Tigers, and then Collingwood uh, okay. fill out the top eight. Yeah, because they've had a big break from um, from the VFL because of the lockdowns here in in Melbourne. So I think they've only played like they only resumed recently, relatively recently, in the last couple of weeks or so. Funny because the amount of games that have been played, like there's such a mix. Like there's between some game, some teams have played six games, and some play, teams have played nine games. So oh wow, yeah, that's a big differential there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing you've got to be very excited for is this uh, Jai Newcomb. He's been tackling beast. Uh, his goal, his first goal was really good. I think he was just on the 50-metre arc. Yeah, he kicked it from 50 metres. Was, uh, yeah. was, he, was he one of the players that was drafted in yes. the mid-season? Yeah. 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 Well, that, that just promotes how good that is. I know. You know and, and in his first game, he set the tackle record for a debutant or something for the most tackles. He had like 12 tackles or something in his first game. How old is he? Is he like 25 or something? Uh, oh, he's like 21 or something. He's okay, quite so young. He's still quite young. Wow. Yeah, no, but... Yeah, he, he's always just walked in the door and, you know, he's game ready. Yeah, and he's he's come in and he's had an influence on the game too, you know. Um, Big influence. Doing, doing those tackles and whatnot, like obviously in his first game, but even... You know, backing up this week, I mean, he was, he, he didn't have the most of the amount of tackles, but he was in the top um, six for tackles. So, you know, having him in the midfield, like, that definitely changes everything. Like, 
having a tackling bull, you know, like there's always one big tackler and like you notice yeah. in midfield. And it lifts everyone else because it just yeah. puts the pressure on if all the players it's even that perceived pressure. So even if he doesn't lay the tackle, and they're seeing him, you know, yeah, yeah tackle left front, and it puts them uh, extra uh, pressure uh, yeah, and makes them stuff up without pass, doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, he's definitely got to be like probably, if not the best pick I've seen so far from this mid-season draft. Like I know, obviously, it's not played yet. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's two rounds or whatever it is. That's um, it. But so far, he's shown the best signs out of anyone from that mid-season draft that I've seen so far. Um, obviously, given that not much have played, but yeah, he's he's playing really well. Awesome. In that game would be Dylan Moore. He kicked four goals for us for a, a small forward. It was a it was a nice bag. All right, boys. Let's move on to the other um the, the other game. like one of the other big results from the weekend. We don't want to go through every game, but this one we can't miss because it was arguably the match of the round with uh, Port Adelaide versus Sydney. And I remember seeing bits of this game. I was at the pub um, watching some other uh, sport and whatnot. So I didn't watch the game properly, but just catching up on it and everything, it was an absolute classic in the wet. Did either of you guys have much of an opinion on this game or did you see any bits of it? I, actually, I didn't actually see any of this. Yeah, I didn't see it at all, but I'm just looking at the worm right now and to see Sydney leading most of the first and second and then Port's over the third. And then late, Sydney's gotten in front and then... Come away with the chocolate, so yeah, uh, so it was awesome. So, if you can watch the KO mini match or the highlights on the AFL website, I would recommend it, even those people at home. And it was an incredible kind of toing and throwing kind of game. Um, although it was 10 points, it felt a lot closer to some extent, or that's where um, Scotty Lysette just slotted one late off one step, um, to just seal the victory. And uh, Buddy was back to his best, kicking three goals. Um, I think it was. Oh, yeah. He kicked the first three goals of the final term, I think, to give him the lead. And um, just incredible, just to show like Buddy still, you know, has a lot, has a lot to give. And for Port, Boak dominate 30 disposals a goal. Ollie Wines doing standard 29 disposals, eight clearances. And then on the other side, like I mentioned, Franklin kicked four overall. And Luke Parker had 34 touches and a goal in the wet. Like it was, yeah, just a free flowing game, a bit of a shootout. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of pressure and quick movement of the ball. So that one was a real, real ripping game. They play so much better once they got Scott Lysett back in too, I've noticed. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, he's, for sure. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a very good ruckman. He's a very good ruckman. They're back up. Who is their back up again? Um, Laddams. Yes, Laddam, the Ladhammer. I remember I drafted him, I think, in the in the... At the start of the year in our draft league, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it'll be a good backup." And he was just terrible. And some games early on in the year, I was getting twenty or thirty, <laughs> like kind of barely touching the ball, and I had to drop him quite early. But um, yeah, it just shows like uh, the difference he kind of makes. And Charlie Dixon has to have uh, get a lot of credit where he was kind of in the wet, playing really good footy and just forcing, you know, being a really dangerous kind of forward, contested marks, crashing packs, and just doing everything you really want from, from you know, that big dominant forward. So, um, yeah, that was a really, really good game. So, well worth it. And one other thing, so I did mention this um, pre-show, so not for those at home, but Buddy Franklin was a bit, uh, was a bit lucky with his front-on tackle. So... There was um who was it? There was 
Yeah, Jared Lynott was bending over like to pick up the ball. into him, though. Yeah, so, he just kind yeah. of ran into him forward on. So that mm-hmm. I heard some people saying, like, oh, the player might have to, like, he kind of led with his head. But to some extent, he was picking up the ball. So it's still the obligation or the responsibilities on Buddy coming in, you know, to lay a tackle going, okay, you've got to turn. You've got to ensure you don't hit him straight on the head. And he kind of didn't, and hence why. I don't think he was given weeks, was he? That I know Nah, I'm sure one thing, um, there was one other thing that another milestone that Buddy did uh, this weekend. He actually passed Jack Titus as the, yep. the sixth-time all-time goal kickers. So will he reach 1,000 this year? Right. I think it's 33 more. Uh, it's so so hard to say if he will or not, but I would love to see it. Like, as you know, he played for Hawthorne for, you know, eight years, and yeah. he, he always He's still be an like, all-time legend. Yeah, 100%. Any, any I would love the same kick a thousand goals. Yeah, and do you think he'll play on next year? Either of you boys think that? I think he will. Yeah, is, is it end of his contract? Like I know he had a nine. No, I think contract. he has one more year. I think he has one more year from memory. I, th- I think at least one more. Uh, it, it's hard to say because you know he's his got body. He, he, his body, and then uh, he had a newborn this year also. I think. Um, yeah. Second, so you, 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 yeah, you don't know what. Family life is it's like. contract. He he he'll probably be still listed, but he might play like one every two games or one every three games. Yeah. Sort of how he with does the this sub, year. I hope he. You I know, ho- with the sub rule, you can almost manage him through. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, right. And I also hope he does because, like, a little bit of me just doesn't think he'll get that one thousand this year. But I would love to see him get it. Um. So. Yeah. I personally hope he does. I mean, like, I hope he gets it this year. That'd be great. Like to end your career. Like, even the way Sydney's going this year, that would be so good, you know, like to like end it on that note. Like even if they got to finals and fell out, like you'd feel. I'd love it. Yeah, I'd love fun. it if he played it at the G, and when he kicks a thousand goals, just everyone runs onto the oh, field. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so good. I'll go to the game just for that. I'll bring Fev along think, with me. I think a lot of people would go. Like it would just be like Sydney versus North Melbourne or something, but there'll be like <laughs> eighty like thousand people. Yeah, the G. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, no. "Fuck COVID!" <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just running on. <laughs> Masks, no masks. But, uh, oh, no, would, that's that great. Would, that would be hilarious. Uh, anyways, we should probably get into the other end of the stick, which is the upcoming games this um, this round that we've got. Let's do it, because there's so much more footy to talk from that last round, but we'd be here all night if we kept going. So, yeah, yeah let's look at the future fixture. And then looking at the future fixture, I feel like there's actually not as much to talk about on this end of the stick. Um, <laughs> there's... There, there's some good games in there, but if I had to choose a game of the round for myself personally, I'd probably go the battle between is it six and eighth, uh, six and seventh in Sydney and West Coast. That's probably yeah, I agree. That's probably my down game. The and, best stadium in Australia. And they're playing down at um GMHBA Stadium. Your you favourite, Hayden. Very One thing uh, I'm going to mention that's very you know I, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but all games in Melbourne like there's going to be maybe one of the BFL. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's going to be two games at GMHBA. There's going to be... Three. Not three, is it? Yeah. Wait, yeah? No, no two. Two, two. Or is it... Oh, no, it's because they haven't decided on the Dockers Carlton yet. I don't think that's been... But I think that's floated to be at, at Nine GMHBA. AFL games in, you know, Victoria, the state of Victoria, which is a very... Uh, it's very... Uh, it's good very for us. Unique. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the good thing is, is... And, like, you know, people... Um, we're talking about the Richmond Essendon game, um, obviously being Indigenous round, but like how the Western Australian is 
got around um, two clubs that aren't even from their town um, and got along to that game and sold it out. I'd actually love to see the shoe on the other foot and Victorians getting around these other clubs that are playing, you know, like yeah. when you've got um, two out-of-town clubs, say like Adelaide, Brisbane, or uh, is there any other out-of-town? Sydney, there? West Coast. Sydney, West Coast. Um, and then the rest of Adelaide, all, all, all Brisbane. Have, all have Melbourne teams in it. So um, I would love to see teams get around these teams. Like, I would love to see... So, I'd love to go to more of these games, to be honest. Yeah, like, that, that, if, if they're accessible, because they won't sell out, I imagine. And, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, like, I might not be able to go to the Geelong Essendon game. So why not make that trip back to the same stadium the next day and see Sydney. Freo Carlton or, or really, yeah, Sydney Sydney West Coast would be a better game, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd actually go with you if you wanted to do that. I would, I would happily go to Sydney West Coast. I reckon that would be at a genuinely good contest, you know, and uh could hit up the um, um the little creatures pub. They've got the brewery down there. Yeah, it's a good, good place. Today, Have you been? No, I haven't been. Have I did you... drive past it today though. It's really good. I've been once recently, like in the last two months. So yeah, it's definitely and it's around the corner, like literally five, ten minute walk from the stadium. So Yeah. No, that's all anyway, sorry, Corey, you were saying something? <laughs> yeah, so the last time that um Sydney and West Coast actually played against each other in Melbourne was their grand final. Yeah, I think it, it would be. Oh, wow. Six or seven, yeah. Oh, well, they did it twice. Really. Oh, yeah, that's so right. Two years in a row, 05 and 06. So yeah. 05 was the Swans, and 06 was West Coast. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, a reunion back in that one for us. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you'd think uh, Brisbane and Adelaide would have never, ever versed each other in Melbourne, would you? Like, they didn't have a grand final. Probably not, no. So, yeah, they've never played in a grand final together, so... So, I quite like it, yeah. And they're, I don't want to say they're new clubs, but they're less than... Yeah, they're not... They're not the old. They're like, I mean, a 90... Yeah, an early yeah, 90s. Yeah, exactly. No, That's right. Just... And back onto the actual, like, Swans versus Eagles game, it has huge ramifications on the top, on the top eight, because they're both locked in on 32 points. If it's a thumping one way or another, percentage is hugely important with um, Frio breathing down their necks to some extent. Um, along with Richmond. So, you know, once again, we expect Richmond to get away with a win. But um, we said that last week to some extent, so you never know, fingers crossed as well. But, um, yeah, so it's a really big eight-point game for these two sides, whoever kind of wants to almost just give them a bit more breathing breathing room in the eight and to secure that finals berth. Yeah, um, the other, what was I going to say? The other, like, that, that will be a good game. That will be a blockbuster game. But the other game, if... On interest would probably be for me is um, Geelong versus Essendon because even though the odds are a dollar twenty four four dollars, I could say an upset there. Essendon have been playing some great footy, and I know I bang uh, on about yeah. them all year. Like I kind of have been wagging them all year on this podcast, but I still think like well, their losses aren't blowouts. You know what I mean? Like they've had, like, yeah. like me, honorable, honorable. Yeah, losses. yeah they've shown something exactly. And like me and Lachlan discussed it. Discussed early season, they had like a disgusting loss to like St Kilda, I think it was, and um, maybe West Coast. I could be wrong. Uh, uh, something, something like that along yeah. those lines. Um, they're they pretty like, close to Melbourne as well last week. Yeah, right? exactly. So uh, the game will run for their money. This is a game that you know, like um, I I understand the odds are where they are, but you know, like like Martin said, could be an upset. Um, well, like I mentioned, um, since we are on to the Cats game, is like it's one we'd expect to win, um, but that's where you'd have to make sure coming off a loss last week and 
an embarrassing loss as well to a fellow top four sides. The players, hopefully, they shouldn't need any more motivation than that if it's pride alone um, and to want to turn things around, get back into that top four position. But um, like I mentioned, the game plan to beat the Cats is speed, being direct with the footy and putting pressure on, which Essendon can easily do. So if they play to the best of their ability with the talent they have in their squad, um, it is definitely a danger game. So I'm not overly confident whatsoever, but that's normally what's happened this season. Wherever I'm confident, um, the Cats fail, and whenever I'm not so confident, I'm like, oh, I don't know about this one against a good side. We go really well. And last week I was confident against Brisbane for once. And, of course, we got hammered. So, you know, um, we'll wait and see. Uh, we do, we have beaten them in the last couple games um, in the, over the last two seasons, but before that, Essendon got the wood over us, and they weren't doing that great, particularly in 2018, 2017. So, um, yeah, I expect a really a really good game, and I think some of the key battles will obviously be you know, how Essendon can tame our forward line, and um, if Merritt, you know, dominates and um, Parish and whatnot, see who O'Connor goes to if he can shut someone down. And um, to see if our players that were quiet last week can lift like Danger and Selwood. And um, I wonder if, yeah, and see if we bring in some speed and young kids. I'd like to see how Stringer plays. You know, I'd, I'd really like to see what they do. He with was him. bad last week. Yeah, he was yeah. bad. After that week there, that he was like amazing against Hawthorne, he's just come out. Dusty esque. Yeah, and then he just, yeah. He, um, yeah, he was quite average last week. But I'd like to see what they do with him. You know, if they give him like a run in the middle to be a bit of a brute, because he can be a brute. Um, I think he needs to make do those occasionally, like not all the time or doesn't have to be regularly, but I think those bursts, either to help get him in the game or be an impact player, to some extent will be really good. Like to some extent, like Danger, like he's an impact player going, oh, rest him in the forward line or put him on the bench while he's getting his match fitness back. But when, you know, it comes to crunch time, you want him right in there in the thick of things in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, while we've got you here, though, Corey, we must discuss Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and your thoughts. Um, it's, so I don't think Hawthorne will actually win this one. Although this game is a it's a huge milestone for my man Silk uh, Sean Burgoyne. It is. Uh, yes, I, congratulations, um, Silk. Four hundred amazing career AFL games played That's for. That's insane. If you actually think he, about that for a second, know, that is so insane. Like we all kick up a fuss about how many players have played three hundred, yeah. let alone four hundred. The longevity, the quality. Everything. So, Sorry to cut you off, Corey. So, that's all good. I was, I was listening to, um, yeah, someone on the radio they were talking about. It. So he's been in the system for 21 years. He's won, you know, he's so, won four premierships, both uh, one at Port and three at Hawthorne. Um, he's the first, so he's the fifth player to be, reach 400 games, but he's also the first Indigenous player to reach that milestone, which incredible. is, you know, huge for him, huge for the Indigenous people. Um, and yeah, he, like I think this is, is this will definitely be his last year. I, I don't see him continuing after this year, but you know, it's it's such a huge milestone for him. So you know, as a Hawthorne supporter, you just love to see you know your big players reach those sort of milestones. Um, in terms of the game, it is going to be in Melbourne. Um, at Port still have, yeah, at Marvel Port still have some you know outs, but you know they've still got some players. There's some plays coming in and stuff like that. I don't. The teams haven't been released yet, so I don't know That's if some uh, injured players are coming back. But I think Hawthorne will give them, you know, we'll, we'll give run. them a run for our, our money. Like if we keep being, if we play in the form we have the last few weeks, 
I think we'll play well. I don't think we will win. That's the thing with but, young sides, though, isn't it? Like, you yeah, know, that's we right. Our best, but the inconsistency. Yeah. So. Yeah, and like Hawthorne in the first half of the season, we just like we weren't playing full four quarters, and that's what really hurt us. I think the, the yeah. first like like we'll maybe playing you know two quarters of the game, and it was it really sucked to watch to be honest. But you know the last few weeks have definitely been an improvement. So I would love to see us be consistent with that form and see how we go this week. Yeah, and and then just also touching on the game itself. Uh, what a great game for um, Silk to be playing against his old club. I hope like they give him the applaud and um, you know the congratulations that he deserves. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be good to see him celebrate him, no matter if it's a tackle or it's a like a handball. He's got a ball and he's lining up for goal. I'd, I'd like to. I'd love to be like one of those. If if like you know Port was my team, I'd be one of those supporters that would be like, "Yep, no, good on you." Respect, yeah, yeah, just respect. Um, similar so to true. like, similar yeah. to like, um, like even though like it was like a completely different um scenario, but like even when Dangerfield was playing for um Adelaide, Adelaide. and he was playing at GMHBA and he's kicking the ball from the boundary, um, for goal, and like all the Geelong fans stood up and just started clapping him because like they all. Oh, like, you mean Gary Ablett? That's no, what no, you mean. You no, said no. you said Danger. No, and Danger was Adelaide, and he was they wanted him to sign on to Geelong. Ah, oh, okay. Do you remember that game? Vaguely. Yeah, Vaguely, were, like before it happened. Yeah, just before it happened, they versed him. And then, but yes, uh, that's actually probably a better um, situation, the Gold Coast. When, when, <laughs> yeah. That's actually a and better one. And he kicked one, an absolute screamer yeah, from everyone, like yeah. reverse banana on the boundary. And then even it was when he first left. Yeah. Some people were booing him and then everyone just like, you're like, wow. And, and everyone just, just stood, stood up and applauded and just went, wow, that's incredible. Like, And he kicked that exact same goal for Geelong. Yep. Like a couple yeah, of he, seasons he, before he, that, exactly. So he's he's been in that scenario before. He knew exactly where the sticks are. It was just grouse. But um, yeah. Back to the Hawthorne Pilot again. I think it, I think um the way that you have been playing has been really exciting to watch. You know, I, I did watch three quarters of that um GWS game, and it was the last three quarters. You know, so I missed the first quarter. But um, yeah, very promising signs. You know, you always know they're going to be good no matter what if they're under Clarko too. So. Um, I just hope with a milestone man going through his 400, they like really come out to play for him. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I'll throw my two cents in, firstly on the game and then a little bit on Sean Bergon as well. But um, I think the Hawks, because of the event and the milestone, they might, hopefully they start well, um, but I just see too much quality with this Port Adelaide side where to some extent they've been inconsistent, but they've got some real superstar players in there like Connor Rosie and... Dixon and yeah, their midfielders and everything just they've got so much quality that I think will come out on top and it could be even a blowout. I hope it's not for the sake of what the game is, but where um, the form that I guess Port have, have been showing to some extent, especially when it's against a side that's not in the top eight, they, they do really well against them historically this season. So we will, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how it kind of plays out. But yeah, I, I expect the Hawks to show something and then maybe in the third or fourth quarter they might kind of get blown away or it might get pushed out to a comfortable margin and they'll take their foot off the pedal to some extent. Um, now on to Sean Burgoyne. Where do you boys actually rate him? So um, on the overall, let's go Indigenous players that have played the game. Where on the all-time grades list do you guys kind of rate him? Would you put him right up there as in a 
you know, a top five, top ten kind of player because there's been some absolutely incredible um, Indigenous players and us being all, you know, around 30-odd. Um, we're still relatively young and not seeing a lot of the older, you know, Indigenous yeah. players that have come in the past and whatnot. Like even Michael Long's probably a little bit out of the memories. But, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, I'll start with you, Hayden. What What are your thoughts on what, where you rate or where you think he falls in terms of the all-time great Indigenous players? Uh, so in my time, like obviously, like long, and, but the, that's kind of like past my history in a sense. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, I know a bit of their history, so I'm only commenting on Andrew I'm, McLeod. Yeah, yeah, McLeod. I remember McLeod though. Um, for Adelaide, he was you know, two-time Norm Smith medalist, uh, great player. Um, Brownlow. Brownlow medalist. Um, Goodsy's obviously there. Buddy Franklin's got to be in the conversation now too. Uh, yeah. Or what, uh, would have been in the conversation not is in it now but um yeah he's got to be from my time that i've known afl um from being a kid and mind you i mainly got into it when i was mainly like 13 14 um and then kind of like look back on past stuff so like i like learned more history growing up yeah i'd put him in my top uh 10 there there's i'm only saying that out of respect of i don't there would be probably players in front of him that i can't even think um but in my thoughts right now he's in like my top three players that i know like out of like goods buddy and him uh, and mcleod sorry he's got to be in that top five area for me. okay right and Corey, you got much uh yeah much of an opinion on him here yeah him in that top five um he he does like there are some you know legendary indigenous players there they're um yeah. Like, you know, you got, there was, you know, Gavin Wanganang, Michael That's Long, it. Peter Batera, Polly Farmer for, you know, Fremantle, yeah. um, Z, McLeod, yeah. like, I wouldn't even chuck, like, I'll chuck, Rioli, you know, Sir Rioli up That's there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look yeah. at his achievements. Three Norms Actually, they have two or one Norms if I can't remember now. I know. I don't one. even one. Yeah, but yeah, I would definitely put based on his CV, like he would have to be top five, like four hundred games, like just to reach that alone is yeah. insane. Exactly, um, and the amount he's contributed to, to yeah. football, like from that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would put him definitely top five. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'll throw my two cents in here. I have actually, um, I would have put him at around that, uh, probably kind of similar to Hayden where he's probably just around that top five or just outside. And I did do a bit of a Google just to see who else we might be forgetting. But um, yeah, random article I've just found online that's named kind of top 10 of the AFL era. They've got Buddy Franklin as one, McLeod as two, Adam Goods is three, uh, Gavin Wanganin is four, and then they've got Burgoyne actually as five. And then after him, they've got Cyril. Uh, Michael Long, of course, who's an awesome player, Phil Matera. Chris Johnson and Nicky Winmar, so they're pretty impressive kind of players there. And um, and there's obviously legends like Polly Farmer, for example, the Geelong legend that missed out on that. And uh, there's other, you know, absolutely incredible players there. So I think the crazy thing you got to look at is like three of them players have been premiership in the same premiership team together. Yeah. At one club, you know, like that's uh, that's quite a quite a um, quite a scary team if you're thinking about like you know like like i mean like i know we lived through that moment and like we appreciate it for, but like you appreciate it more when you put it on a list like that you know what i mean 
You wouldn't yeah. talking about the 2008 Grand Final team, would you? <laughs> nah, not at all. Yeah. We can move on from that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, the show's been going long enough, boys. Let's uh, move on to the next game. Um, yeah, so my game of the round. <laughs> no, so another actual, genuinely, another interesting game uh, that I think uh, for for this next one moving on, um, yeah, for the next round will actually be... Let me have a look at which one kind of has some significance yeah, on it. Melbourne's Giants. I'd say, well, yeah, I'd more so be leaning towards the Frio Carlton, even because now Fremantle are back, kind of, um, oh, well, they're equal, equal eighth on points, um, and playing Carlton that, you know, finally got in that kind of win that they kind of had to get last week against Adelaide after three or four losses in a row. Um, yeah, so it's another test. So for Frio, obviously, they wanted to play it at home. It's not possible with COVID and everything. They wanted to try to take it to Tassie, which seems highly unlikely. So I think it's been penciled in for GMHBA, once again, the best stadium in Australia. And um, against a Carlton side that's coming off a win, it will be interesting to see if Fremantle can do it again away from home at the end of the day, although they are officially the home side. Just a quick question. like I, I want to talk about the game, but if the... AFL Grand Final was at GMHBA Stadium, but it wasn't between the Cats and someone. You'll say it's the best stadium. Oh, well, purely based on it being a Grand Final, you wouldn't want it to be somewhere unless there's some significance to it. So unless it was a Cats home game and we moved to the system where the AFL truly wanted it to be a national you know, game and where, although I love it at the MCG and the tradition of it and everything, after last year... Um, and even seeing some of the other marquee games being moved, forced to COVID, um, such as having the Dreamtime at the G over at um, over at Optus in Perth, I actually think it would be spectacular if almost like the NFL to some extent, they had a neutral venue every year where it got moved around. But I don't know if the sport's big enough or if they have enough supporters, you know, everywhere to go, oh, okay, the game's going to be in Adelaide, but then it's, you know... Brisbane versus Sydney or something, how many people are going to actually rock up there for the parade and everything that comes with it. Well, you know, Melbourne, um, all of us being Melbournians, we're kind of biased to it, but being the home of footy, you know, and no matter who's playing, and even when it's two interstate teams, you know, guaranteed it's 100,000 there or 98,000, you know, pretty close to capacity. And then the parade and we get the long weekend and everyone just gets behind it and we have grand final parties, no matter who's in it. So, yeah, anyway, to answer your question, Hayden, I think it... Sorry? Sorry? We also have public holiday. Yeah, exactly. So it's the long weekend. We've got our barbecues beforehand, and it's just an awesome spectacle here. But, yeah, to answer my question, do you reckon it is the best stadium, like, facility-wise and everything? Oh, well, it's not finished yet. So officially, as it currently stands, I can't say yes because the Gary Ablett Terrace needs to be upgraded. Once that's done and it raises the capacity to about 40,000, so then it's still a boutique stadium because that's what we want for a regional area because it's not the CBD, it's not Melbourne, um, but it's the regional centre for out west and that way. So, um, yeah, I've been down there so many times now and I actually do love the new, especially the newer stands, like the Brownlow stand and the player stand, a lot of the bars and the pubs and, and it hasn't lost its country feel, which I actually love about it. So you've been down there, Hayden, but we've just been to the, Gary Ablett Terrace, the old part of it, where they still have standing room and everything. But if you go into the Brownlow stand um, or the Premiership stand there, 
uh, they have some really nice bars. And I remember live music, like people uh, playing an acoustic guitar, just standing there, you know, kind of uh, in the wide walkway and access to the Geelong rooms, like where there's glass, we can see straight in the thing. That's not just public access for everyone, but there's just off on the side. So it's quite, um, quite unique and, yeah, it has fantastic facilities there. So maybe give it two or three more years when that one's done and it, hopefully it will rise to that to that level. But at the moment, you'd have to say, you know, the G um, or even Optus Stadium is yeah. a fantastic stadium for facilities and everything. Optus, I can't... I would love to go to Optus Stadium. Like just, I've been. Just, have you? Yeah, it's ridiculously overpriced, but it is a sublime stadium. Like, I saw West Coast versus Doggies. Over there, and I'm pretty sure the West Coast pants them. It was back in 2016, 20, no, 2018, sorry. 2018, so it was when it was still fairly new, and the stadium's incredible, but I remember it being ridiculously expensive, and you can tell it cost a billion or something dollars to build because they were recuperating it back for, like, $7 pies, or I swear a beer was, like, $12, $13. Like, I remember going there and going, bloody hell, it burned a hole in my pocket, but it was incredible. It was a day game, and I... I remember I even went there for the main reason I actually went was for Chelsea versus Perth Glory. And um, so I got to see it at day and night, so day for the footy and night for the soccer. And just to see the light system that they can have there, like they really showed off the dream time at the G. It's an absolutely wonderful stadium. Uh, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, and back to that game. Yeah, it is a bit of a danger game, uh, especially for Fremantle now, obviously being in Melbourne because we, as we know, they're not the best travelling side at uh the current moment they're, they're more of a home team side and then also Carlton kind of got that little bit of a whiplash um the whip's cracking a bit and they've kind of they played really good footy last week Carlton did so it'll, um I mean like can they keep it up yeah exactly so it'll be um good to see if they can keep what's your it tip up. for it boys oh, I would say I think Rio will beat Carlton but what, you know what I found find interesting how a few of these teams are sort of under a bit of scrutiny. You know, Carlton's got their internal review. Yep. Uh, Buckley was under, you know, scrutiny. St Kilda got a bit of bad rep. And all of a sudden, all three of these teams have come out in the last couple of weeks, played really well. <laughs> bang, <laughs> bang, well. bang. <laughs> uh, like Collingwood in their last two games with Buckley, they won them both. Um, and Carlton, you know, their review style this week, they won this week. Yep. That's it. Teams, teams eventually respond and lift. Yeah. And, um, yeah. A bit of scrutiny on Gold Coast at the moment, so it's a danger game for us. I'd, I'd... Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers yeah, crossed. The um, same Richmond rocks up as last week, and anyone in the comp can beat that side that, that showed up that day. We played. We 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 played how. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just it's just reminds me. <laughs> it's just after, after bye, we look terrible. Um. Oh. Well, time to get into our dickheads and unsung heroes of the week. Um, I will kick it off. Please do. So I'm going to kick it off with the unsung hero, which is the umpire for uh, the game of Fremantle versus Collingwood, actually, for giving away the most weirdest free kick I have ever seen. Um, Braden Maynard going back with the flight of the ball. Didn't get near the ball, mind you. Um, and the Fremantle player, which I can't remember his name... He um, puts his hands out and kind of like pushes Maynard in the front of the chest, takes, uh, and the ball gets called free kick for him. And Maynard had no nothing to do with the ball. Uh, ball goes inside fifty, and they get a goal out of it. So uh, 
that umpire, you are announcing hero to uh, all the Fremantle fans out there. And then, uh, anyone else got unsung heroes? And I'll talk. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm happy to jump in here. So my um, unsung hero from this week was Dyson Heppel from the start of the Bombers versus Melbourne game when they went in for the coin toss. They had a young little Harrison there, um, and they were promoting that it was World uh, Scala Radona. Sorry, Day, I've definitely mispronounced that. Uh, Scleroderma, Scleroderma Day, <laughs> World Scleroderma Day. And, um, yeah, little kid with, uh, I believe, cancer uh, that they brought out. And, um, yeah, it was it just made his absolute world. You could see the kid went out there. Uh, Dyson Heppel called Max back after the coin toss to get a photo with him, and he was just buzzing. And, and then you hear um, and tip of the Dyson Heppel yell too, back. Like yeah, like definitely. In that moment too. Exactly, and I think... Um, as Dyson was running away, he shouted out that he loved the kid. He's like, Harrison, I love you. And it was just so, it was heartwarming, actually. And see the smile on that kid's face was just incredible. So, big shout out to Dyson. Causa, do you have any uh, unsung hero from this week? My unsung heroes would be the St. Kilda Football Club for what they did for the <laughs> Richmond <laughs> That's true. That's good. That's a really I, good um, fact, actually. I actually embarrassed him. You know, only kicking two goals. <laughs> I, I I didn't watch it, but I I heard you know that Richmond supporters were booing um, Richmond. Like it, it's worth watching the replay, Corey. If you've got to spare, you know, two two and a half hours, I don't think you'll regret sitting there and watching I, a replay. I heard you know, that they were being booed by their own supporters. <laughs> um, another, another another good thing to rewatch also, if you've got time, is the two thousand eight grand final and yeah, the yeah, two thousand twenty yeah. grand final because I know Hawthorne's like saying them. <laughs> All right, then, on to the dickheads of the week outside of these two here that are talking at the moment. Um, yeah, so I'm going to call out uh, Zach Williams just for his uh, very silly headbang um, for his opponent that he just pulled his opponent over into the concrete um, that just has a thin layer of fake grass on it for him to slam that player's head down. I can't even remember exactly who it was now off the top of my head, but um, it was very, very silly of him. And he's lucky that he only got the one week. And especially when he finally started showing some kind of form as well. I'm sure Carlton will be extremely disappointed. You know, they've got Freo this week and he'll he'll be a big loss for them. Somewhat similar to the um, Thomas Shield into Charlie Cameron's head, wasn't it? Uh, not really, because it was kind of off, completely off the play, you know. And it was li- almost literally on concrete. So well, a Tom bit Stewart of a different was off the situation, <laughs> and um, there's a reason that you know one player got suspended and one didn't. And lucky Tony's not here. I could hear him now. Oh, Stephen Hawking, <laughs> this Geelong, that blah blah blah. So thank God he's not here this week. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Tony as well because we haven't mentioned him this week. He's a bit busy with a financial year at work. Supposedly, it just happened to coincide with Richmond kicking only two goals, <laughs> you know, for an entire game of footy. That's it, which was hilarious. Uh, no, well, at least I'm the one guy that always shows no matter if we lose, except, you know, family issues. But, that one week. Yes. Um, but um, my dickhead of the week would have to be Richmond for choosing on a wet night and debuting a tall um, because we chose, we had Chol, Samson Ryan, um, Rewalt, Coleman Jones. We had like four, to- uh, and then obviously like... I know, like, Bolter and Rewalt aren't much of the rocks, but, like, sometimes I do chuck Bolter in the rock. 
But yep. to have five really tall, lanky players on the field on a wet night, uh, I think that was a terrible, terrible decision. It clearly summed up the game a bit, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely four points that we definitely needed. So, especially with teams around us losing, like, it would have actually kind of solidified us a little bit more into the finals positions. And uh, I think that was sure. a, a completely stupid Real dickhead-like decision by the uh, selection group at Richmond. So that's my dickhead of the week. No worries. And Corey, do you have anything uh, for dickhead of the week? Interestingly enough, so my dickhead of the week is Matthew Lloyd. And the reason is I was watching the some of the Sunday footy show, right? Love the Sunday footy show on a side note. And this bloke, he goes he he wanted to like look at like some of the old dog acts, you know, that's happened in footy over the last you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. First thing so he was to my head. Uh, I already know where you're <laughs> so he, so he was talking about, you know, people like punching, you know, the wrist of injured players. Oh, he was got he, he showed uh, vision of you know when uh, Barry Horse Rewald. made a stake run right oh, yeah. base. Uh, yeah, vision of uh, you know Nick Rewalt when he had a he had a sore shoulder. Uh, yeah, he was crying, and, and people were yeah Brad Scott and the stuff like that attacking him. Um, Did he have the so, yeah, um, um, Luke Hodge? Luke Hodge Sorry? the ribs and the stokes he getting into him. No, he didn't show that. But what annoyed me is he showed all these you know all these dog hacks, but he didn't show him. Smashing into Thule and, <laughs> and breaking him. his face, <laughs> breaking his eye sockets. It didn't show him when he broke uh, Campbell Brown's nose. That's it. He was a sniper. He had one yeah. aim and he ran in there like it was the 80s. <laughs> he was a sniper and he didn't show any of his dog acts, but he happily showed everyone else. Uh, so that's why he's my dick out of the way. Surely the panel gave him a rinse. Actually, didn't see because uh, I actually watched the the highlights on YouTube. Highlights <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube. This guy is such a YouTube. I love the footy show. Actually, I missed it this week. Um, yeah, it was busy of the weekend, but oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, that is. Sorry, I had to find the button. Um, that is the final song for the week. So we're going to wrap it up with our crazy predictions. Um, who wants to kick it off? I'll kick it off here, boys. All right. So my prediction, crazy prediction for the week is um, unfortunately in Sean Burgoyne's 400th, I think he's going to break his leg. And uh, no, nah, I'm just joking. Just saying the business we're talking all about. Good. So I actually did write that down. And I go, no, nah, that's a bit too much of a dog act. So um, my actual prediction for the week is... um. I'm predicting a lot of footy in Victoria. I think we're going to have another footy bonanza style um, style fixture um, coming up in the very near future where there's going to be footy, not like last year. It's not going to be every day, but with a few of the other states going into lockdown, I think Sydney will be locked down for a bit longer than what they expect. It sounds like the NRL might not be even running. Uh, one of the coaches was a close contact of or went to an exposure site or something, and he trained with the team, so he's got to wait. Anyway, not to get into it too much, but... There's a big gap where we might have games from Wednesday through to Monday kind of thing or Thursday through to Monday, spread out the games, have it all in Melbourne, run them across our all the different stadiums. Um, I'll definitely be keen to attend a few more games, but that's going to be my uh, prediction, I don't know about for this week. Obviously, it'll be next week onwards, but um, yeah, I'm thinking five to six days of footy a week for the 
for a, who knows who knows how long it could go for. I'm gonna go next. To that. I'm gonna get going. So my I have two actually. Firstly, I think Bulldogs will beat North Melbourne by over a hundred points. Oh yep. And secondly, I think with the hubs coming into play, while well, the Victorian hub coming into play, I see some players like if they're being told they have to stay here oh, for a yeah. couple of weeks, I see some players deciding to go back to be with their families. Yeah, that's a good call. I could definitely see that happening as well because I think I've seen on some of the players on like 360 and whatnot and saying like, for example, even with the uh, St Kilda, when they were playing and Ross and Memory went back early because of family reasons, I think a lot more players will be supported and that will be more of a reality because they just know it could be indefinite. You know, it could be months potentially here. Um, yeah, that's a good call, Corey. And finally, on to you, Hayden. I kind of changed my prediction a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think if... I've got kind of two crazy predictions. I think one of my... My first prediction I had in my head before Corey mentioned that was I think all our three teams get rolled this weekend. I think Richmond oh. loses to Gold Coast. Essendon loses to... Uh, Essendon beats Geelong and Port. I think this isn't as crazy. We'll probably get the chocolates over Hawthorne. Um, and then... But if I was going for another crazy prediction, I would say now that the shoe's on the other foot, the ladder might get a turn. Like, say they're here for a couple of weeks. I reckon the ladder will definitely have a... Um, different outlook, and you'll see play teams like Brisbane, Port Adelaide, Sydney dropping off a bit. So that's my crazy prediction, and that's the AFL holics for this week. So thank you for listening, for tuning in. and uh, hope you guys enjoyed. And thank you, Corey, for also joining us on this episode tonight in absence of Tony. No worries, good to be here. And Absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks for listening, everyone. And everyone, um, feel free to get a mate or two to listen to the pod as well. And let's let's grow this beast a bit. We're having a bit of fun doing it. That's it. Uh, so let's, uh, yeah, let's spread the word and get a few more listeners each week. Beautiful. That sounds like a perfect way to finish off the episode, Martin. And um, everyone out there with COVID, just stay safe. We're AFLholics. Catch you next week. Bye. You can find these three idiots on their socials, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, under AFLaholics. Kiss your dad on the lips for me, and we will see you in the next one.